we talked about this for months and months and months now that Houston was the team that had a chance and in order for them to win they needed to shoot the ball exceptionally well you needed to catch the Warriors on a couple cold nights um, and in particular you needed the role players to really really step up you needed the PJ Tuckers the the uh, Trevor Ariza's right um, you, you needed the, the matchup with Clint Capella to work out yes. where you could actually have him on the floor and have him play his game a lot of that happened um, that's why we went to seven games. Um, Eric Gordon was was pretty damn pretty good, good for them, those last, those um, last particularly games, particularly games, in those six, last seven, two games. So you had a lot of what was necessary, um, but in a in a really cruel twist of fate, Chris Paul did not play those last two games, which is exactly the role that they needed out of him. Yes, they needed the guy who is never going to quit. And they needed the guy who could spell James Harden so that James Harden isn't going to get worn out over the course of a seven-game series and in the exactly. late fourth-quarter situations. He's got an incredible usage rate. He does. And the whole plan was, great, we can kind of save him a little bit because Chris Paul can run this team for stretches. And then at the end of the game, hey, whoever's got it going better or um, you know, we can alternate and, and these guys are fine to switch off which is exactly how it worked in the prior series uh, where Chris Paul really stepped up exactly where they needed him to, and exactly. it, it was very clear why this was going why to work. Why he was there, exactly. Um, and it's really cruel that he didn't get to play that I think, out. I think the, what, what I say the, the theme of this series or, or what I look at as what I look at as a decided factor is that Chris Paul, he had one of the worst time spin moves in the history of spin moves. I, I was watching a game. And he had Quinn Cook guarding him in the post. He takes two dribbles. Then he spins and goes up for that shot, which he didn't need at that time. It was a rush shot. And then the move, it just, it was ill-timed. And that's why he hurt his hamstring. And it's just like, it's, it sucks. Because we, I felt like with Chris Paul there in Game 7, that the Rockets had all the momentum. And they, they probably would have won. They came out the gate in that game, and they, they took a lead. They needed somebody to manage it down exactly. the stretch. And that's exactly what they were missing. And one thing that we discounted last year with James Harden was, like you said, his usage rate and that him being in isolation. That's what wore him down when they played against the Spurs in that game where he just had a, a terrible game. And it was like, where was James Harden? We were searching for him. Right. But when you have the ball in your hand so much and you have to do something with it, you're obviously going to wear it down and not be able to have that explosiveness. And so this year with Chris Paul, it just felt like this could be the year. And so just with him being hurt again, and it just it goes along with this, the narrative of Chris Paul, which I don't really like to associate with him. But, I mean, you can't escape it. He has been hurt at critical times when his team needed him. So And I, and I think that's a function of, honestly, the intensity that he plays with. I mean, uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, who from LeBron's contemporaries are, are still kind of, um, you know, playing the way they've always played. And I think Chris Paul, while probably off his peak, is still one of those guys who you're going to lean on um, and, and you really still expect to be able to lean on and make big plays. And the thing about him is he just, he goes hard. He is really intense. And he's a little like Westbrook in he's trying to win this play right now at, at all, all costs, costs. Exactly. and that's what has worked against him it's what worked against him in this particular series and it's 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 kind of ironic in a way right because they brought him in to pace harden 
right? So to stretch out his usage so that Harden wouldn't be worn out. But at the same time, here's a guy that goes real hard and in doing so wore himself out through injury. Unfortunately. Um, so he, you know, he did exactly what you were trying to uh, prevent Harden from doing. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he did it to himself. But, I mean, it, it, it's hard to blame him because uh, who doesn't want that kind of intensity? It's the same thing that we praise a guy like Marcus Smart yeah. for who is not quite, you know, as, as talented as Chris Paul. So don't you want all of your super talented guys to play as intense as Chris Paul does? I would think so. Uh, and yet it, it, it worked against him. It did. It did, unfortunately. It's, it's sad to see. But I don't, I don't think, honestly, if the Rockets don't get LeBron James – I don't know if Houston will be able to, to get over that hump next year. They're going to be a year older. Um, they, they have some decisions to make with that roster. Um, is Ryan Anderson coming off the books finally this year? Or I don't think he year? is, and I think that's a big part of the problem. I think he's at at least $20 million a year. Um, they have to make a decision on Clint Capella, and it's going to be really hard to get rid of Anderson but he'll, to he'll make that asset, kind of room. He'll be an asset next year if that isn't, in fact, an inspiring, expiring contract. If a lot of teams will look to, to move that and say, okay, we'll, we'll give you a young piece or maybe a second-round draft pick or something like that and and to receive that cap relief in the coming years. So I think um, the Rockets, they will be able to do some things, but I don't know. I, I think that without LeBron just having the Warriors still there in the West for another year, and then with the Spurs, hopefully Kawhi can come back and that situation can be rectified. But I see teams like Minnesota, who has another year of playing together, a team like Utah, who's on the cusp. I think it's going to be tough for the Rockets. They're going to have more competition next year. But if they continue to shoot the ball the way that they proved in the regular season, they'll be right there. But I think it just it's going to get a little tougher as the years go on. And I think, you know, against a team like the Warriors, you did see the downside to... Uh, the way they play, um, there's a, there's a little too much one on one, and I think it, in a way that that it doesn't scale the way the free flowing offense of the Warriors does. Um, there there's just when you when you have to pound the ball as much as they do, and um, rely on one or two guys to really just keep making tough shots, uh, contested shots you know, step-back threes and all this kind of stuff. Whereas when you look at the kind of shots that Curry gets from that offense, right, when he's um, when he's coming off these baseline cuts and, and running to the corner and, and, and getting an off-the-ball screen there, when, when the Warriors are really cooking, um, Curry's getting open looks. And I feel like Harden doesn't get a whole lot of open looks it's the role players that get the open yes. looks. And I think th- there's just something superior about the way that the Warriors' offense is organized because it allows Durant as well, Clay Thompson as well, to get open looks. When you have your best players getting open looks, it's a completely different system than needing uh, your alphas to create looks for other guys. I think with the Rockets, what it is is that, like you said, it goes along with them being too reliant on the isolation. But they, what they need to do is look at a player like LeBron James, who does pound the rock and has the ball in his hands for the majority of his team's possessions. But he's ultimately having the ball in his hands to make the best basketball play, not just to make a play for myself when the clock runs down. And then I, it's me, mano mano, against this one player that's guarding me. I think when we saw the Rockets at their best, when what we thought they were doing that could possibly beat the Rockets, where they were mixing in that isolation ball 
with the ball movement. And I think what's crucial for them is that they have role players who can get shots. And when their role players are getting the ball and touching the ball, they play better defense. It's just it's natural that way. When you're more engaged in the game, you hustle harder, you, you dive for loose balls. It's just it's shown. So I think when the Rockets were moving the ball and they had that the ball hopping because the ball moves faster than the player. Yeah. And so if you can get the ball moving around faster and the defense is not in the right position, you get better scoring. And so that then allows for your isolation to be more effective because you can't help off those shooters as much. I think trying to uh, supplement the isolation game with the ball movement doesn't work. I think you need the ball movement and then play the isolation off of that. And then now you can open it up for your defense. It's sort of like in football where you want to run the ball to therefore make the defense put more people in the box, so to speak, to come down so then now you then can you take can the top it. off the defense. So yeah. it, it, it just works like that. Like, you know what your strengths are, but you don't want to play to your strengths all the time because they now they know how to defend that. Let's, let's do something like a magician over here. We're going to get a little misdirection face, going on. But yeah. behind our backs with the other hand, we're doing something different. So we're working to our strengths and playing, I guess, backwards, so to speak, instead of just using your strengths to have everything else play off of that. How much of this is just... A narrative that we create after the fact. In other words, the the Rockets do pass the ball pretty well. They actually do get open looks. I mean, I watch them in the preseason. I uh-huh. watch them in the regular season. I watch them in the playoffs. They actually do get a, a lot of open looks for for every guy on the court. How much of this is us criticizing them for not making shots no. in a make or miss league? And uh, you know, if if Ariza is hot in that last game, they probably win. Right. Um, if um, some of these other guys, you know, step up a little bit more and uh, just don't go quite so cold. I mean, Gordon was good in the last two games, but there were games where he was kind of cold. Yeah. I mean, how much yeah, of this is uh, well a, a narrative that would be completely different if a few more shots went down? Um, I think it's just what it is, is we look at those critical moments because, I mean, a game, it's, it's a 48 minute game. You're going to have highs and lows of a game, but. It's just when you look at those critical moments, when the game is decided, when we think, okay, it was this stretch that decided this game, what happened in that stretch, and it's just the way that Houston looked in those moments. And that's that's basically where the criticism comes from because they did move the ball well, but it was like at times where they needed the ball to move around and hop, we seen the Rock being pounded 14 seconds at a time, yep. which wasn't really good for their offense. And I think if they were a faster-paced offense, running up and down instead of slowing the ball down and trying to – Get, let the defense get set and took some more chances in the fast break. I think that will work for the isolation too. I just think that it's more things that they can do besides just isolating the ball and saying we have the best player with the ball in his hands and he's going to get to the basket because you we everybody knows that in the playoffs those fouls that you get in a regular season you're not going to get all of those calls. Yeah, so you can't physical. bank you can't bank on that whistle being blown when it's the playoffs. They're going to give you the leeway because the refs don't want to sit there and be the deciding factor in the game, especially after the history of referees in the bas- in basketball. So it's just like the refs want to take a step back and say, we're going to let the players decide this game. Let them play, not kill each other, but we're going to let them play. So some of those ticky-tack fouls that you normally would get in a regular season, you're going you're gonna to get maybe three-fourths of those calls or maybe even less than half. So it, you never know how it goes. So I think relying on the refs in that point with the isolation ball, I think if you, if you supplement – your offense, if you play a, a, I guess, a motion-type offense where you move the ball, you have screens, back screens, and then you have this isolation player who can work, it, you're going to be deadly from that position because now it's like a triple threat when that, when this isolation player gets the ball. Is he going to pass it? 
shoot it or drive it. But now, when he has the ball, it's like, okay, we're taking the pass away. So we're not really playing the lanes. We're going we're gonna to just sink the defense in, wait for them to make their move, get past the first person, and rotate. And that's what you were seeing all the time. That's why Draymond Green was positioned where he was, playing a play on the wing that they knew they weren't going to swing the ball that way, that when James Harden's going to go to the basket, he's going to go for a layup. And you've seen plenty of times where Draymond was the one who was right there for the help. But moving along from the Rockets, because yeah. we, we talked about them a lot, let's talk about the Warriors. I mean, yeah. I think they're a team that, that people have, have like, they love to hate the Warriors just off of everything that they've built. And I don't think they got the credit early on. Yeah. And then to throw Kevin Durant into the mix, they never really fully got the credit. Makes them the heel exactly. you know, in, but, in wrestling talk. But looking at this team, they, they're doing the same thing that LeBron is doing with the Cavs on the other side. Four straight finals appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, they've actually won two of the last three championships. And it could be said that they were on the brink of winning three in a row unless Draymond didn't, you know, go off and... And get suspended. Exactly. So, I mean, looking at the Warriors, how much is this a testament to the Warriors and what they make other teams do and the pressure that they just put on teams by merely being on the court with with that lineup? I think they're amazing in that it does not take a whole lot for them to win a game. I mean, you look at how they played these first halves, and particularly these first quarters, they, they dug themselves some pretty significant holes. And, you know, the, the, the Rockets looked like they were on pace to win. And they go into the locker room, and they come out, and in the third quarter, it's a totally different team. Curry is much more aggressive in those third quarters, and they have that free-flowing offense where they rattle off a 20-4 a to 4 run, and, and the game is over. And I think it, it's... It's what makes people love and respect the Warriors. Uh, the fact that they can go on these runs where even if you played 24 minutes where you really dominated them, <laughs> the game is nowhere is close over. to over. And, um, you know, I, I, I think you know, they missed Iguodala down the stretch there, right? So their, their defense uh, the was not exactly where, where it should be. Uh, let's not forget that Curry was hurt. For the last you know six weeks of the regular season into the first round of the playoffs, so um, not exactly hitting his best rhythm. Um, the whole narrative about is he is he hurt, which they had to change that narrative midway into the game once he got hot and <laughs> rattled off eighteen and a quarter or He's whatever. He's not in basketball shape, and right? Then he goes Until off on a tw- tear. Ten minutes later, um, so I mean, I, I think it really to me it's a testament to to curry in particular and also to clay thompson because um to me those guys are the those guys are what make the warriors work i mean durant is kind of the same player um on on team usa on oklahoma city and on the warriors He's he's played better defense. He's had to play more of a big man on defense role, and he's he's shown that he can do that. But in terms of offense, he's he's still taking really tough shots and making them. He's really just shooting over guys because he's taller than them, and he's not generating those kinds of open looks that you you see Clay Thompson getting. Clay Thompson moves, he gets to his spot, and he gets an open look. He has enough daylight to get it off. And he's such a stabilizing thing that they can rely on. And, you know, Curry uh, will, you know, just go on a roll for every once in a while. So, to me, the interesting thing about the Warriors was was that, to some extent, they're still trying to figure it out. 
I feel like Durant is still not fully integrated into the team, and that that they there's a whole other level that they could play at, where that's scary. Which which is a little bit the way they were playing last year. Like if you if you go back to uh, the playoffs last year, and and, and particularly um, some of the finals games, uh, when when Durant's getting the open looks, that's when they're super dangerous. And um, even when he's taking tough shots, he, he's He's going to make a whole lot of them. But in terms of the defense, the defense is going to be pretty happy with him taking contested fadeaway shots along the baseline uh, because that's probably the toughest shot that you're going to force them into. And here's a guy who's a knockdown shooter. Here's a guy who is totally a catch-and-shoot kind of player. He fits in perfectly with what the, the kinds of shots that the Warriors' offense can generate. And so I, I still think they're trying to figure out how to balance his alpha dog, um, I can make tough shots and we can win this way, and obviously they can, versus what is the traditional Warriors offense? What are the what are the Curry-dominated uh, squad look like? And I, I still feel like they're figuring it out. That's scary to, to, to think that they're still tinkering with things, but they're a championship team. They're the defending champs that are still working to figure out how to perform at their optimal pace or the uh, that that it, wow I'm at a loss because it's just like to think that a team that that's won the championship they just have the talent and now they're still figuring things out that's that's just scary for the NBA and same thing for like with Draymond Green I mean the defense is thrilled when Draymond Green is catching the ball at the three point line that is basically the only thing that you can really bank on to say, all right, we'll play the percentages on that. Uh, because, like I said, with Durant taking tough contested twos, um, he's still going to make a good chunk of them. Uh, so you're, you're, you're not, really you're not too thrilled about space. that. And I, I just found myself throughout these entire playoffs saying, if Draymond could shoot 30 to 35% from three, this team would be completely unstoppable. Uh, because that is the last little hope the defense has, is, all right, give him that shot. And he's grudgingly taking it. He's holding the ball for a few seconds. He's actually making, trying to make the pass. And uh, you really have to like goad him into like taking that wide open three. And if he could hit, hit that at somewhat decent, I've seen him clip, make that shot. Though. He, and he, 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 he has throughout his career. But so it's just, I mean, it doesn't. It's not the best looking shot, right? But it does fall. And it's just like if you give him that shot and he starts to make it, it's just like you're you're in trouble. So they yeah. missed, you know, they missed Iguodala. Draymond Green's not hitting the three, and I still feel like Durant is taking a very high degree of difficulty shots all the time. And that's no way ideal, and yet here they are. Whereas when you look at um, the Rockets, they played a lot of what was close to ideal for them. P.J. Tucker was hitting the corner threes and getting all the offensive rebounds. They were killing the Warriors on the offensive glass. Effort-wise, I think they won the series as far as effort. Clint Capella worked perfectly. They had uh, great pick-and-rolls with him. They're throwing the lob to him. He was able to change some things a little bit on defense. They didn't have to hide him too much. Not too much. Um, He was guarding Curry on the perimeter a ridiculous percentage of the time. I kept, you know, just saying out loud, "What is this matchup? Yeah. Why is this the default matchup with Clint Capella <laughs> guarding Curry, you know, twenty-four feet away?" So, so many things went well for the Rockets. So many things didn't go right for the Warriors. 
And, and yet they still. And yet here we are. They're still in the NBA Finals. 